For Materno, it's with aplomb, a show about the history, culture, and happenings in the beautiful game. Coming to you live from beautiful Portland, Oregon, and Brooklyn, New York, were your hosts, Nima and Raj. <laughs> So, what's that jersey of the week, Big Raj? We're doing something special today, and my mind is just going to the wintry cold and craziness of Sweden. I have a Jour Gardens IF 2017 home jersey on. They're a team in Stockholm, one of the few teams in Stockholm. And I was there over Thanksgiving in 2017, stocked up on a bunch of jerseys. Their home jersey is this navy blue striped on top of a baby blue striped jersey it's incredible their whole selection of jerseys is amazing it was my dreamland and yeah so i put that on to a inspired by the coldness outside even though you're on the west coast and it's like 100 (laughs) degrees (laughs) yeah no global warming it's fine folks (laughs) i mean this this is a legendary club you know, they're a 129 year old club. They have a their stadium has a retractable roof. I mean, that's I think you need yeah, that no, in I, those I, kind I of temperatures the at the stadium. Like that's oh, how dedicated I was. <laughs> Real football fans only. As a wrap up, we want to focus on some of the key storylines that Raj and I found interesting that we thought dominated world football. Also talk about some fun things, our favorite goals, our favorite players, and also touch on some of the uncertainties that have come into the game and what that looks like moving forward into 2020 and beyond. We had a bunch of legends coming back to their clubs. How do you how did you feel about all that? I mean, we can judge it on an individual basis, too, but. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, that's a facet of the game that both you and I enjoy. Mm -hmm. We saw it a lot in the Premier League, especially this year. It started in the new year with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Mm -hmm. my club, Manchester United. And that obviously has gone with mixed results. But sort of the underlying theme of all of these players coming back to manage is that they are actually going to be the ones who are given time by the owners who are obviously famously fickle. And now you see it more in this brand new season, 2019-2020. Frank Lampard, the big name at Chelsea, you know, he has had highs he's had really low lows they've had a few losses now but you know he has the safety net of being this icon and they won't just dump him so he'll be given time the time that managers need and you see it at Everton with Duncan Ferguson as the interim and even when Ancelotti came in he saw the effect that Ferguson had on the team Mm -hmm. Everton went on a couple good results they drew against United especially Ancelotti kept Ferguson on just knowing that he could be useful Um, you saw Freddie Lundberg at Arsenal (laughs) although results didn't go his way (laughs) yeah it didn't go well at all but uh, the fans responded I mean really at that point it was anybody but Emery and Mm -hmm. Mikel Mm -hmm. Arteta you know came in obviously played for Arsenal 
he is this sort of new mastermind, like the student of Pep Guardiola. And Mm -hmm. he kept Freddie around and at least had this conversation with Freddie where they were like, maybe it didn't go your way, but we both have the same feeling about the club. You know the club, you know the culture, you know the fans. And that's why you see these players coming back as managers. And I think in time they will succeed. It doesn't always work out that way, but it yes. will. You see it like with Ryan Giggs at Wales. Like yes. the Welsh team is responding to him. They will play for him. And just like these players, you know, the Chelsea players, the youngsters, they see Lampard and they know what he went through. They know what he gave to the club yes. and they play for him. And that's the same reason why Solskjaer is getting the backing of the players yes. because he is promoting the youth. He is giving players who maybe were under fire a little bit more of a leash and the players respect that they like that and they also like playing for a manager that knows that he's comfortable in his job knowing that they've actually spoken to the owners and the owners have relayed to them that they can stay in their job for more than you know the two three weeks that (laughs) it seems that managers only have nowadays seriously at any level you can get legends involved in your club it's it's a positive thing or even you know former players who meant a lot to the fans right obviously we've seen that at ajax with edvin van der sar and mark overmars now milan has brought on uh, boban and maldini as chief football officer and technical director that's going horrifically yeah it really is going horrifically <laughs> one of my former clubs that's in pain. But yeah, for those guys, it's not going as well. But if I'm a fan, I'd still be hopeful that at least two people who deeply cared about the club are back in the ranks. So maybe we have a better chance. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a fine line. Like you want players to come back and be a part of the club because they know the culture and how the club functions. But you also don't want to just make emotional signings as an owner because you think that yes. the fans will like it like you at the end of the day the fans matter but they really don't because owners don't care about the fans in the end but you really you really want to toe this fine line and Chelsea are doing a good job of that with Lampard yes absolutely but it's really more of it's nice to see just because you know that these guys will be given more time than normal just because if the owners are firing them they're also sort of going against the fans' wishes. Yes. It's sort of a double whammy of sorts. So that's why I like seeing it. But I do think that it doesn't always work. It probably very rarely works. Guardiola at Barcelona is probably a good example of it really working well. But we'll see what these guys got. There's a lot of the season left. I think the Lampard experiment will know more of after he's given a couple transfer windows. Their ban has been overturned. So January, yes. we'll really get to see what he wants to do. But then is then actually the right thing to maybe hold back a bit? Do you think that constraint's actually helpful? Maybe the sign of a good manager would actually be not to necessarily just go spend a war chest. Right. That's what I'm saying. He's going to, though, because it's Chelsea and it's Abramovich and they've lost like three games in very quick succession. Mm. He, they will definitely be spending. No, I mean, it's fine to spend. I'm obviously not arguing with, look, if if you have the need, but I think the mark of a great manager, if he or she actually has the power, hopefully they can exercise constraint. It would suck for a big striker to come in and then to see Tammy Abraham's minutes limited. 
we'll see what Lampard's got with a couple of windows in there. The way at least it's been going for him and uh, Solskjaer, I think I'm generally positive on both. Obviously, Solskjaer has had more time. And I think directionally where the club has moved, uh, I'm talking about United specifically, I think it's actually been net-net positive. The fact that Greenwood is now playing and scoring is wonderful. And I don't know if it was another manager if he would have gotten that chance. Yeah, exactly. That's why I think everyone's pretty calm over there. You know, that's the whole thing that I get excited about, even seeing somebody like Arteta come back or or Maldini, is that I think they'll be able to bring those those values of, look, you got to put in the hard work and you got to get the right players and you don't always have to overpay. And in my time, we bought this person for not that much money and look what they became. Let's focus on developing our youth and yeah. Defo. Women's game. 2019 was a big, big year. Uh, The World Cup was huge. Domestic leagues have all grown at least the sort of in the big markets. So the US, Italy, England, France. France. There was definitely a lot of movement compared to prior years. Yeah. Well, the quality in the game has stepped up. The European League, the Champions League is, you know, legitimately super exciting to watch. There's superstars at a greater level than there was before. There's not just a handful. There's 20 30 great women who are astounding at playing football. We saw it in the World Cup and you see it week in, week out, especially in the European leagues. Obviously, we know the American League is strong, has world-class players, but you know, you can just turn it on and you watch and these guys are killing it and they're you're starting to see them get the sponsorship dollars that they yes. never really got. You're starting to see them in advertisements around the world and they're becoming household names. Not just in America with American players and France and French, but yes. there's there's English people playing in France now. There's you know French people playing in England. There's Americans all over. Americans is a little bit different because you have to stay in America to play domestically, just because the women's league is catered to the national team training camps. So yes. that's why if you're wondering why you don't see Alex Morgan playing for Lyon anymore, it's because all of the American players need to stay in the USA, which is kind of unfortunate in a way. But I hope that changes in time. It's just not ultimately productive to have, you know, players not be able to uh, move around well, freely. Yeah, well, it's not going to change if America keeps winning World Cups quite handily. Speaking about non-American players at least can move around, uh, Sam Kerr, the Australian striker moved from my beloved Chicago Red Stars to Chelsea. And that was just a huge move. I mean, she's, you know, the Aussie captain, just a fantastic striker. If you watch her play, left foot, right foot, headers, she's strong, she's fast. In some ways, she reminds me of Brazilian Ronaldo, the way she moves, the way she dribbles. It's just awesome to watch her. But that was a big move. Yes, it was good for Chelsea, though. The Premier League was sort of lagging to the other European leagues, and they have stepped up. Man City is a massive team now. They've used their money, and they've basically 
cherry picked all of the good English players mm. and brought them to Man City. Chelsea are good, obviously, with this Sam Kerr signing that you were just talking about. Arsenal have Mendiema. She's amazing. They are one of the best teams. And you're starting to see some investment. Um, this is the second year Manchester United have had a team. Because it was their first season last year, they were forced to start in the second division. They won that division. Now they're in the Premier League. And you're starting to see some rivalries, some big games. Yeah. And Lyon, obviously, is the team to beat. They win Champions League after Champions League. But everyone is sort of chasing them. But in that sort of second pack, there are a lot of really good teams. Yeah, for sure. Huge year for the women. And of course, someone like Megan Rapino has been using that spotlight to shine a light on uh, several important societal issues that they're just top of everyone's mind. And uh, we're not the first to say it and we won't be the last, but her, her presence has just been incredible for the game. Yeah, she's important to the game. She's using the microphone to talk about things that are not right in society, just standing up to the government. That's more of what we need, basically, because the main authorities aren't doing anything to help the players and the fans and people standing up for their rights. And Megan Rapino is one of the biggest faces in world football now. And she's maybe one of the most significant faces in recent memory. She's Yes. Absolutely killing it besides being one of the best players in the world. She's out here using her name for good and we will see her for many, many years to come. Whether she's playing football or not, she won't go away and that's good for everyone who's interested in equality. <laughs> Tell me about some of your favorites, Raj. Cool. Favorite goal was the Aaron Zahavi goal for Guangzhou RNF. If you, I can kind of relive this for you. It was sort of <laughs> towards the end of the game. Cross came in from the right side of the box by the byline, and Zahavi just backheeled it, almost raboned it into the goal to win it. A spectacular goal. I know it's China. I know like the quality is not what we really want from all the other leagues but yes the skill it took and the technique like if you're even doing that in the your backyard fucking around that's hard to do <laughs> and he did it to win a match at a professional <laughs> level and the chinese league is getting better and for me it's the goal of the season two of my favorite goals of the year happened very recently one of them was cristiano ronaldo scoring against sampdoria basically he jumped about 40 feet in the air, <laughs> headed the ball. Juventus won 2-1. I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I will mention it again. People don't really understand how good of a header of the ball Ronaldo is. He's one of the best in the history of the sport, if not the best. That's why he's so dangerous. Like, Think of all he can do with his right foot, his left foot. He can shoot from outside the box. He can score free kicks. And now he's got this heading. And this is not new. He's been a great header of the ball for years and years and years. He scored in the Champions League final in 2008 with a great header. And this just reiterates that fact, that point of how incredible he is. He's in his 30s and he's out jumping all these young guns. Like he was a full like torso and up above this defender who had full eyes on the ball and Ronaldo just popped it in the goal the man is amazing and then I'll just mention one more since we could be here all evening which 
sounds great. Me and you just talking for a whole evening. The last one, of course, is the Hyungmin's son goal for Tottenham. Um, you and I have spoken about this already off microphone. Basically, son got the ball at his own box, dribbled through a billion people. He basically ran at close to full speed for about 80 yards and then had enough in him to slide the ball past a professional goalkeeper <laughs> with about eight people following him. The technique it takes to keep the ball close to your feet, the stamina it takes, and just yeah. the awareness it takes to slide the ball to the left of the goalkeeper so flawlessly and then just run away and celebrate. It was an incredible goal. I urge you all to check it out and try it in your backyard with nobody defending you. It's quite hard. <laughs> I won't pick uh, just one single goal, but you know I love long-range shots. And boy, this year we just had a lot of incredible goals outside the 18-yard box. Well, Leighton Baines just had an insane one. Oh, my God. De Bruyne Alexander. Like 10. Yeah, I know. I mean, in his career, it's absurd how many he's had. Trent Alexander-Arnold with that Carlos Alberto-esque finish, but it was outside the box. Um, or maybe it was just inside. Either way, it was beautiful. Um, yeah, there were some great ones. If you go back, um, Dybala had an amazing chip. Messi had a great left-footed chip, like one-touch chip. That was probably the prettiest goal of the season, of the year, I mean. Well, speaking about a pretty left foot, I don't know why this just came to my mind, but I remember Cuadrado's goal against Atletico, where he sort of cuts in on his left foot, his so-called weaker left foot, and curls a beauty in. But anyway, like yeah. you said, we could be here all day talking about pretty goals, folks. Who's your favorite player of the year? Who broke out for you? My favorite player of 2019, probably my favorite player to watch week in, week out, Hakim Zayek at yes. Ajax and of Morocco. He's... 26 he's incredible i actually saw him play in person at ix stadium in october um he's just as good in person he was the best player on the pitch for ix he's just so dynamic he can really do it all he can play on either wing he's a playmaker he can shoot and he's just so pretty with the ball he's very technical he keeps a cool head. He's he's like my kind of player. He likes to dance um, on the mm -hmm. ball. And he just contributes. And I like his heart. I like the way he plays. I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. Every single week, I'm always looking out for him, trying to watch as much Ajax as I can just for him. And I said in early 2019 that somebody should buy him in the summer of 2019. Nobody did. And now nobody can afford him. <laughs> Yeah, we talked about the great Hakim on our Ajax episode. And yeah, we're obviously both fans. Yeah, he's incredible and he's worth the price of admission, literally, as I watched <laughs> him from three rows away and it was incredible. Another player I really love is James Madison for Leicester mm. City. Hilarious name, James Madison, if you think about it and you're American. Um, <laughs> he's incredible he's basically the number 10 that you want he's young he just turned 23 we actually have very similar birthdays he's uh -oh. very attack minded but he's he's not weak like he's really strong on the ball even sort of being a slight uh athlete slight in build i mean he's an incredible athlete and he's great he can do it all he he can 
give you the set piece deliveries. He scores goals. He really contributes from the midfield, leaning into the attack, which is really what actually changes a team from being really good to great, as you see this Leicester City team being. Um, I know that they're very reliant on Jamie Vardy's goals, but yes, getting goals from midfield is an ingredient of a team actually doing something and collecting trophies. And Madison does that for Leicester. He helps sort of lessen the load for Vardy, especially as defenders sort of keen on him. Uh, he, again, was someone I thought in the summer someone should buy. He'll be very difficult to pry away now. He's an England regular. I would probably even start him in that England team, depending on the formation. He's incredible. He's every week, just watch him. He can do so many things. He can play again on either flank. He's a lot like Zayek. He's maybe mm. not as technical on the ball, but he's he's a pretty player as well. And he can pop the ball around. He can pass. He can shoot. And those are exactly the things you want from a creative number 10. Yeah, I agree. For me, Tammy Abraham, I've loved watching him. Greenwood hasn't gotten a ton of playing time, but for the times that I have been able to watch him, obviously love him. And as a former defender, I got to give a shout to Soyunku. I think he's been, he's been just a rock for Leicester. The Turkish player has just been fantastic. And he's young. He's 23. It'd be yeah, interesting him and Evans to... have been incredible. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if Everton can hold on to him and, and if there are any suitors for him next year. But he's just been an incredible. You mean Leicester can hold on to him? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Leicester. The other blue team. <laughs> <laughs> And some established players that, you know, always, always have my heart. You know, Fernandinho has just been an absolute rock. Um, you know who's been incredible? Chris Smalling for Roma. <laughs> <laughs> he just had to leave. And then he was great. Um, I know. Well, it's also, yeah. He's not facing Cristiano and, and Dybala every weekend. But, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, he kind of is. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a lesser league. You can also see Lukaku doing pretty well as well. I mean, I've always liked Lukaku. Yeah, we've. Yeah. Anyway, I, I thought he should have had more time, but who am I to say? Um, I I know you feel differently about this. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to get into that. This, <laughs> this twenty nineteen wrap up. <laughs> exactly. High level, just some of the things we're thinking about that we think will affect the landscape in the coming years, be it 2020 and, and beyond. In MLS, teams have been expanding. We now have 30 teams. It's a big country. We still don't have a promotion relegation system. We have a little bit of an adoption issue. Some of our major teams still don't have TV rights. Uh, you can only watch their games on streaming services, which isn't the worst thing in the world. It's a good option to have, but uh, we're not quite there yet. NWSL as a league is growing as well. Louisville on the men's and women's side has had a great year. Look forward to seeing especially that market growing. Lots happening at the USL, USL one level. Shouts to forward Madison. I think there's a lot of good happening, but there's also a lot of uncertainties when it comes to the leagues in the US. Large part of it, like I just sort of touched on being TV rights or let's just call it broadcast rights and what that reaches. How do we get communities more involved in grassroots football, not just the stars from Europe, 
I think those are ongoing challenges. I think we're seeing really good signs from the ownership level. I mean, at this point, if you're buying a team in MLS or NWSL or USL system, you're expected to lose money for five years. Yikes. Yeah. But, you know, I think yikes for sure. (laughs) Quickly followed up by, you know, there's also a big opportunity, right? I'm not a betting man, but if I was... If we could buy a club now, I would make an impassioned case for buying an NWSL team just based on where their growth is. And of course, when I say that, I fully expect USL system and MLS to also grow in other ways. I just really wish we could experiment with promotion relegation somehow. And I actually think that would activate a lot more fans in the US. But yeah, the logistical headache is something else that we've sort of somewhat related as a highlight of 2019, the merchandise of David Beckham's Miami team. Wow, wow, we wow. Love all of that. That was, forget everything I just said on this episode. That has been the biggest storyline of 2019. I want every single piece of that. So I don't really like their logo or their name. There, I said it. Oh, well, the name's terrible. I mean, obviously... (laughs) But you can't you can't really front on the name because all MLS names are super super terrible. I mean, I mean, I don't really understand why you don't you want to create your own identity. Why are you stealing all names? Yeah, that's absurd. Why did Beckham pick a team name? The one team on the five hundred he played for, the one he didn't play for. Why? Why are you naming your team after the one team you didn't play for? It's absurd. But yeah, their merch is incredible. I'm moving to Miami, man. Fuck this. (laughs) Oh, you know whose logo is terrible? Chicago Fire. Terrible. Oh, I haven't seen it. Wait, they changed it? Oh, my God. It's such a disaster. They didn't even, like, consult the fan. It's just, it's been a mess. Same thing happened with Louisville. Yeah, except they had the balls to, like, just say, look, we fucked up. We're going to come to yeah. you. I mean, remember that Columbus crew logo from a few years ago? Like the, the saluting white men? That was yeah. fucking terrible, dude. Uh, teams, please get your fans involved. They know better. Okay. We're good. We're back. Well, the other big one has been VAR. How do you feel about VAR, Raj? Tell me. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I think we were actually going to talk about that. I was getting ready to say goodbye. Um, uh, it, it's been okay. I've, I watch it in a lot of different leagues, and I know every country has their own sort of system with dealing with it. The Premier League system will change. It's been, yes. I think, roundly a massive disaster. I think VAR has been interesting in that it's gotten offside calls correct, even though they have been very niggly. Yes. Um the way that the referees go about it and the way that the fans are kept in the dark, it's just not great. The process takes a long time. And I understand it's the first season, so I'm, you know, I'm not a child. I can have one season of, you know, ups and downs, but they have to mm-hmm. sort of figure out a system where I would like the actual referee of the game to be looking at a monitor, just like they do in the NFL. Um, They do it in Italy that way, too. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, I don't really want the referee missing a call and then some guy in a truck being like, yeah, man, that was handball. Let's keep it moving. (laughs) 
that that's the type of shit that I don't like. As far as a fan watching the game, I don't really like the fact that like you basically cannot celebrate a goal anymore since there's checks after checks after checks. Yeah. That's taken away a little bit of the sort of romanticism of the game out yeah. from me. But I am in favor of technology. I don't know if the Premier League knows how to use it correctly. But yes, I think VAR is necessary. I think that we have to figure out the kinks of clear and obvious error and all the semantics that goes into it, which is fine. Again, I'm I'm for VAR for black and white objective calls. I don't want VAR to re-referee the match because that's bullshit. Then let's just have a robot doing it. I'm fine with that, to be honest with you. If we <laughs> are going to have a human being, let's have a human being do it. Like if we're going to use VAR for a red card, like was it a fucking red card or not? If he yes. says no, no, I don't need a, a computer to tell me. And also it takes 10 minutes. I don't need a computer to tell me if there's a red card and it takes 10 minutes. Like I've yeah. got to go to brunch. I got shit to do, man. Like can be <laughs> sent around for VAR. But yeah, the black exactly. calls, the, the, you know, objective is the offside is the onside. Yeah. I'm good at that, but we'll see big changes in the summer. And I think that we'll see a sideline monitor as well, but Yes, I could talk about this for hours, as we both know, but I think it's had more downs than ups, mm. but it is beneficial to the game in general. Yeah, I agree. And with that, that was our wrap-up of 2019. We have so much more to come in 2020. Before we go, we obviously want to remind you of our site, Eternal dot boutique where you can check out us there the blog this podcast and of course our diego maradona inspired streetwear line also check out our instagram at eterno hq we also have a burgeoning twitter account eterno hq where we basically keep you up to date in the stories and in the tweets and you know give our little opinions about what's happening current day football wise yeah, we just want to thank you guys for this great year. 2019, we launched this podcast and we've had some amazing episodes. We want to thank everyone for listening. We want to thank you for all the support. We basically started with zero listeners and now we're here and we're growing and we will not stop and we're going to continue growing and we're excited for the future. We have a bunch of super dope stuff coming out in 2020. So stay tuned with us on all the channels. Rate, review, subscribe to this and... Yeah, hopefully, you know, even bigger things in 2020. Absolutely. One of the blessings that we had in 2019 was being able to talk to many interesting and kind people who were willing to share their perspectives with us. So we definitely want to give a shout out to all of our guests from our friend Daniel Tenzin, all the great folks at Forward Madison, the great folks at Klabu, Custos, and Cameron. As Rai said, Thanks to all of you for joining us on this journey. We love hearing from you, so please shoot us a note. And if there's topics that you want to hear about, definitely let us know. All feedback is welcome. Thanks again, you guys, and we'll catch you all next year. Peace. One love.